0: Um, I guess like many Asian countries, Japan is such a large population. You know, it's approximately 127 million people. And as a result of this, they have a strong focus on, you know, prescriptive and highly structured education system. Uh, classrooms are quite traditional and low tech. So usually teachers are surprised because you walk into a classroom in Japan and the desks are in rows and, um, you're not. You probably won't find many computers in classrooms. Sometimes there are still things like blackboards or overhead transparencies. So it's you know we, the, our environments are quite different.
1: You are listening to the Augmented Learning Podcast and Video Log. Stories from inspiring educators, leaders, and influencers who are challenging the status quo. Today's episode is sponsored by My Study Series, an online learning platform supporting Kiwi teachers and students through NCEA. With the ability to track student progress and quiz results, data provided by My Study Series ensures teachers remain informed of how well their students are performing. Check it out now at mystudyseries.co.nz. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 44 of what is now known as the augmented learning podcast and video log formerly known as the NZPE TeacherCast. If you haven't heard about the rebrand or the name change do check out our Facebook page or the video log on the blog nzpeteacher.com where I provide some of the rationale behind that but hopefully this means that we're going to bring a wider range of guests to the podcast and video log which means more learning for you the audience and i think it's going to be uh, pretty cool moving forward this is the first episode of 2019 and we're talking to yashika bertram from the asia new zealand foundation now the asia new zealand foundation offers internships grants and residencies for new zealanders to travel to asia to learn about their areas of work and experience firsthand the diversity of that region i'm very fortunate to be working with the asia new zealand foundation In the coming weeks, as we head off to Japan, there's a group of 10 physical education teachers as part of the Japan's sports forum, which is all about Kiwis heading over there, experiencing the culture firsthand of sport and physical education in Japan and being able to come back to New Zealand and disseminate that information to our colleagues, to our students and to our community. So I'm very fortunate... Uh, that I have this opportunity. It's going to be a fantastic time. And Yoshika from the Asia New Zealand Foundation, she's uh, our guide for the trip. So she um, does all the pre-planning. We meet her over there and she takes us to all these awesome places uh, that we're going to visit. So we're hearing from Yoshika today. So sit back, enjoy. um, And I'm looking forward to bringing many more cool episodes like this over the next few months. Yoshika, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hi, Carl. Thanks for having me.
1: Now, before we get started, can you just tell us a little bit about your teaching experience and also your current role and its links to education?
0: Sure. Prior to joining the Asia New Zealand Foundation, I was a secondary school teacher. I spent most of, most of my teaching career working at Otahuhu College in South Auckland, teaching health, social studies and tourism. In my current role, I'm the education advisor at the Asia New Zealand Foundation Uh, The Education Programme works with educators to increase New Zealanders' knowledge and understanding of Asia. We provide New Zealand educators with knowledge, resources and overseas experiences to equip their students to thrive in Asia. Uh, We take educators to Asia, such as this experience here on the Japan Sports Forum. We provide curriculum resources and we help bring Asia-focused events to your schools.
1: So what was it what was it like teaching at to was it um, how many years did you teach there for?
0: Uh, about five years it was good I enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed having the mix of health and social studies that was a nice
1: um, I think the two the two probably work really well together health and, and social studies
0: Yes yes they do and I actually did, did you find that? Yes, I did, and I found that I actually ended up teaching some of my students for health and social studies, which was awesome.
1: Did you get to do any um, sort of cross-curricular approaches, say with those kids that you were teaching in both social studies and, and health, did you manage to link the two together really well and get some learning like that?
0: Uh, I'd like to say yes, but I can't think of any <laughs> examples at the moment.
1: And um, and just before I move on to the next question, Otahuhu College, what decile is that?
0: A uh,
1: one. So, what was what was the appeal in taking a position going from teaching, where you're teaching in a DSL one school, you're doing say health and social studies. What what was the appeal in taking a position with the Asian New Zealand Foundation?
0: Um, I've always been really interested about. Um, I've always been really interested in learning about other cultures. Um, and I've had a particular fascination with Japan. So when I was at secondary school, I learned Japanese and I went on a school trip to Japan when I was 15 and the experience was life changing. Um, and I guess in this, in my current role, I get to work with educators to help them um, teach their students about different cultures and inspire students to gain Asia related Skills and knowledge, and you know, have experiences to go and travel to Japan or somewhere in Asia.
1: Mm. You, you mentioned that 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 you visited Japan and it was life changing. What what was life changing about it?
0: Um, I grew up in a small town in Wayuku, so that's
1: oh okay. nice. yeah
0: yeah so you know we there's no mcdonald's there there's no traffic lights <laughs> so to go to japan to go to tokyo was amazing we stayed in a hostel which was i don't know on like the 40th floor of a you know building in tokyo and you'd look out and you'd see all the lights and it was just amazing seeing all these different people a different culture you know people were bowing there were hundreds of Japanese people coming towards us when we were crossing the road. It was just really exciting and different.
1: So by the time this this episode goes live, we are going to be about two or three days away from uh, heading to Japan. There's 10 physical educators going to Japan for about eight days and you're the lead of that trip. Um, You're the person responsible for getting us everywhere and making sure we don't get into any trouble. What's the overall purpose of this trip from the perspective of the Asia New Zealand Foundation?
0: Sure. As many people will already know, Japan is the host of four major upcoming sporting events, the Rugby World Cup, the Tokyo 2020 Olympics and Paralympics, and the World Masters Games. So this is an opportune time for PE teachers to increase their knowledge and awareness of Japan. Um, We are providing this opportunity for PE teachers to visit Japan firsthand and experience Japanese culture and society so they are equipped to teach about the region um, in relation to the upcoming sports events with expertise, knowledge and understanding. Uh, We want to inspire these PE teachers to incorporate more Japan content into their teaching. Um, you know, and sharing their insights into Japan's approach to sport. So for example, um, when the Rugby World Cup is on this year, then these teachers will be able to share their insights into Japan's approach to rugby. They can talk to their students about how Japan's approach to training is really different to New Zealand's approach. Um, we, want them, we want the teachers to apply a Japan lens to their teaching, um, and it's also about increasing students' awareness of opportunities in Asia. So Japan may not be on the radar for Kiwi students as a place to study, place board or work, um, and this I hope will widen those students' perspectives.
1: Just anecdotally, what do you what do you how do you feel around or what's the general consensus around like our students at the moment and what their awareness of Japan and the opportunities there are?
0: We have done some research on school leavers on year 12 and 13 students, and that research showed that our students' knowledge and awareness of Asia is quite low. So, we asked some general knowledge questions. Um, some things like, you know, what is the major religion in Indonesia? And, you know, a lot of students did not know the answer to those questions. Um, but I think what's quite, um, what, one of the biggest, one of the main findings we had was that New Zealand students think that Asia is important for New Zealand's future in terms of our economy and trade, but they don't think that gaining Asia, Asia-related skills and knowledge are important for their futures. So they're not understanding that on a personal level, gaining these skills and knowledge is will open up doors for them for their future careers.
1: That's that's really interesting and, and I know we see a lot of our youth do the OE, they head to Europe and I guess Europe is like a gateway to all those different countries that it's e- easy to travel through and, and maybe maybe language isn't as much of a barrier but um, I think you raised some really interesting points then and it's it's I think it's funny that they acknowledge that it's important to our future but then they're not heading there for any experience after leaving school i think that's interesting
0: so i was gonna say we just really want to change those perspectives we want students to think asia and to think about those opportunities
1: so with the 10 teachers heading to japan what sort of things are they going to be experiencing while they're over there
0: so the trip has been time to coincide with the grand sumo tournament Um, This tournament is held only six times a year in Japan and only three times in Tokyo. Uh, The sumo is really exciting. It's quite a suspense-filled spectator sport. It's such a uniquely Japanese sport that we had to include it in the program. Uh, We'll also experience other traditional Japanese sports such as judo and kendo um, and modern sports like baseball and rugby Um, While we're having a judo lesson or attending a baseball match, our teachers will experience aspects of Japanese culture. This could be things like bowing and etiquette associated with judo or watching how Japanese spectators behave at games. So Japanese spectators are known for being really courteous. Um, So they do things like they'll pick up rubbish after games, um, at baseball matches, the Fans take turns cheering for their teams. So it's it's quite a different experience. And, you know, experiencing that Japanese culture, I think it's kind of those cultural elements which students will be interested to hear about. Uh, We'll also be going to some Japanese schools to learn about how PE is taught in Japan. Um, And this year, we're actually heading outside of Tokyo to a Japanese city called Atsugi. Atsugi is one of 12 Japanese cities which are dedicated as host towns for New Zealand during the 2020 Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics. Atsugi is a really interesting city. They're really interested to deepen their connections with New Zealand during the Games. So they're doing things like sampling Fonterra products. They're learning how to cook bacon and egg pies so that they can welcome (laughs) you know, Kiwis wholeheartedly when they come as spectators or, you know, as athletes. So they're also hosting things like training camps for New Zealand athletes. Um, so I think that'll be quite a cool visit for the teachers. They call their project the Kiora Project, um, and they're just really keen to meet New Zealanders.
1: It's going to be, um, yeah, meeting meeting those teachers is going to be really exciting. What, what probably excites me the most about this trip, and I'm, um, I know I'm really fortunate that I've been selected to go on this trip. But first of all is, is that cultural experience and, and seeing um, a culture that's just so different to ours. But the, the second thing I'm most excited about is a sumo tournament. Now, you when you went last year with the group of teachers, did you go to a sumo tournament then?
0: Yes, we did.
1: If, if you could compare it to a New Zealand sport, let's say rugby, compare it to an All Blacks match, what... Is it rowdy? Is it quiet? Is it polite? Like you talked about how um, Japanese crowds are—they're really courteous and, and polite. What's it, what's the atmosphere like in a, in a sumo match?
0: Yeah, it, it's not—it's not really rowdy. So I think the thing about sumo is that there are heaps of, oh, what would you call it? Um, so basically, you know, you have two sumo wrestlers who come onto. The doyor and they might stand around for a little while you know slapping their legs and then they'll crouch down and get into position and they will sort of try to psych each other out for a while and during this time I think that's when it's quite silent because everybody's just watching them intently to see who's going to move first and then usually somebody will just pull a move really quickly and then that's it and so you know after that people will be like oh you know wow that was amazing oh that was fast you know and then once they leave then there are quite a few rituals associated with sumo so I think it's quite different I don't know if I'd really compare it to rugby so after a mm. about uh, I guess you'd call it there is a person called a yobidashi and they step onto the doyo and they have like a white fan and they kind of wave it around there are also some drum beats in the background um, and then you might get the next round of sumo wrestlers that will come Um, when they have the 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 most prestigious sumo wrestlers I think they're called the Yokozuna. So they actually come and they walk around the doyo and then they stand up in a line and then there are some rituals associated with that. And then before about there's also salt which is thrown over the doyo to kind oh, is of purify it,
1: salt, is it? That's, it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I wonder what that was. And I think it's quite, it's just a different, it is a really different experience. There's a lot going on, but Mm. The matches are so, you know, they're quite short and intense, so people really yeah. focus on them.
1: I think that's why they can be that size too. You know, they're, they're huge, they're massive. Yeah, and yeah, It's not are. like they're out there running for 40 minutes. <laughs> so. so, As I, as I mentioned, this is, so this is going to be the second group of PE teachers heading to Japan, and I know other teachers from different learning areas have made similar trips. What have been some of the key outcomes for these groups of teachers that have already been there when they've come back? What have they been able to implement?
0: Right, so last year we ran the first Japan Sports Forum. Um, So this was the first trip we've had targeted towards PE teachers because of the major sporting events being held in Japan. Um, The teachers that we select for these opportunities are always really motivated to share their learnings. So last year's group had quite a different range of outcomes because, you know, it's based on their students and their schools. Um, so some teachers incorporated Japanese budo into their PE programs. Budo is the term for Japanese martial arts such as kendo, judo and sumo. Um, and so for some of these students, it was their first experience of something like kendo and they really loved it. Uh, one of the teachers created a complex unit based on sumo and judo techniques for the year 10 accelerate class. And this resonated really well with These students, because judo is a mental sport as well as a physical sport, you know, there are quite a few academics who are judo practitioners. Um, And so some of the less sporty students in this class were keen to give judo a go and they gained confidence, which was awesome. Uh, Quite a few teachers held Japan-focused events in their schools with a cross-curricular approach. So they incorporated things like, you know, martial arts workshops with taiko drumming, with the music department, um, you know, Japanese food like sushi or gyoza making with food tech and then, you know, English departments ran haiku competitions. Um, so that was quite cool. You know, they were able, some of these teachers were able to allow, um, you know, whole year levels to experience Japanese culture and aspects of Japanese sport. Um, Some of the teachers are organising well-being-focused school trips to Japan for 2020. So what they're doing is they're opening up the Japan trip, which is normally for language students to PE students, and they'll incorporate martial arts, um, baseball and sumo into their visit. Uh, And I guess in a more general sense, these teachers have widened their students' perspectives to think about Japan's approach to sport. Um, You know, what can we learn from each other and encouraging these students to take up Opportunities in Japan and Asia.
1: That's what I like about that is there's such a wide range of outcomes from across the board, um, and that's that's really exciting. And I think by the Asia New Zealand Foundation investing in these teachers, it sounds like they're getting um, some really good outcomes from them, and, and deepening those connections and building knowledge and understanding of Japan with our students and our colleagues and our communities. Um, I think it's really exciting, and you know I, I'm hoping to get a couple of interviews with some of the teachers over there and kind of maybe look at building out some online resources. Um, but I I guess I'm probably not really going to know until I get over there, what sort of angle I'm going to take and what is going to be an outcome for me. Um, so that in itself is, is quite exciting, not knowing that yet. And a couple of teachers that I've spoken to are are very similar. They have ideas of what they want to do, but, um, until, until you experience a place like Japan, Tokyo, until you experience it, um, probably going to completely change my current percep- perception which will change what those outcomes will be so really really exciting.
0: But, yeah no that was exactly what happened last year you know some teachers had ideas about what they thought they would do but then when they went to Japan and they experienced the culture firsthand then they kind of changed their mind well actually no this won't work anymore I'm going to try something else so yep I understand.
1: Mm. What would you consider the biggest contrast between the Japanese and the New Zealand educational systems?
0: Um, I guess like many Asian countries, Japan is such a large population, you know, it's approximately 127 million people. And as a result of this, they have a strong focus on, you know, prescriptive and highly structured education system. Uh, Classrooms are quite traditional and low tech, So usually teachers are surprised because you walk into a classroom in Japan and the desks are in rows. Um, You're not, you probably won't find many computers in classrooms. Sometimes there are still things like blackboards or overhead transparencies. So it's, you know, our environments are quite different. Um, And I guess rote learning is a feature of the education system. Um, you know, because of the large population. So for PE, this can mean that students spend a lot of time trying to master the basics instead of experiencing a variety of different skills. Uh, last year's group observed a tennis lesson where the students practice serving for the entire lesson. So by the end of the lesson, some of the students were really great at serving, but You know, this isn't really how we would approach PE in New Zealand. We experience, you know, we kind of encourage our students to experience a variety of different Mm. sports and techniques. Whereas in Japan, they learn to master a specific skill or sport. Uh, The group also noted last year that Japan has a higher participation rate for PE. So, all the classes we saw, we didn't see any students who were sitting out of any activities or not participating. Uh, So, I guess you could say that, you know generally speaking, in Japan the focus is on mastering a specific skill and less focus on tactics and having game time, whereas in New Zealand we encourage students to be quite diverse in their sporting experiences. Neither of these approaches are better than the other. I guess they're just different based on our culture and history.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a lot of what it comes down to. I think you hit the nail on the head there, like that that, uh, that almost like that mastery approach or that massed practice where you're jumping in and you're doing a skill over and over and over again until you've mastered it versus what we tend to do here in New Zealand is that more distributed approach where you learn something and then you get some feedback and you progress that a little bit and then you go get some more feedback and um, and then you you mention the the participation rates um, and I think again that all comes down to a, a cultural thing like you look at our classrooms where um, the, I'm thinking of the word loose but that's probably not the right word but it's not as structured, it's not as tight when our expectations of our students are not to conform to what we want them to do it's to um, find their place in the learning experience that best fits them Them and for some of those people it's, it will be a mass practice but for some people need to learn a different way um, but that all comes down to culture, and I know you've mentioned before to us that um, we've got to try to go in there with open eyes and um, not look at some of these approaches they take and go, well, that's wrong. It's it's just different, and that's a cultural thing, and we have to be accepting of that and understand that and, and kind of compare and contrast with, a, with, with open eyes and be um, prepared to see the positives and the negatives of, of that. And I think that's pretty exciting as well.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, both cultures have a lot to learn from each other. And last year's group could see, you know, things that we could learn from each other, positives and negatives from both sides. Um, you know, Japan, I guess, because they probably have about 40 students in their class, they don't really focus on differentiated learning like we do.
1: There's There's been some great research around the perception of Asia and Asian people from a Te ao Māori perspective. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the key findings of that research?
0: Sure. Our research found that Māori tend to have more positive views towards Asia and Asian peoples than compared to our perceptions of Asia survey of the general public. Uh, so the research shows that Māori feel most cultural similar links with Japan than compared to any other Asian nations. Um, so some of the similar cultural links that were identified between Māori and Japanese uh, in terms of manaakitanga, whānau sorry, and kumatua. Uh So I guess any Kiwis who have been to Japan will be aware that Japanese people are great hosts. This can be likened to being hosted on a marae. Uh, respect for elders is evident in both cultures. Likewise, the focus on family.
1: Now that's, that's really interesting that Māori... Um they have, they see Japan at more positive compared to some of the other um, nations in, in that geographical area. Because like I think about some of the, the people I know, I know some people from Malaysia and from, from China and that culture um, and their culture, know, is a really big thing as well across the board. And so one of the things I'm hoping to explore a little bit while I'm over there is try to... Um, you know, in, in conjunction with um, the research that has been done by Asia New Zealand Foundation, but just try to, um, I guess, dig down on some of those findings and see if I can um, see it in action, you know, see it in a, in a, in a real context, because I think that's something that's um, really powerful that a culture like Māori can uh, see, like real strong links between the way another culture, and I, I that's that's kind of exciting to me. That such two different unique cultures that they see similarities, and there's that um, joint respect there. So I'm looking forward to seeing a bit of that as well. Why do you, as as Kiwis, why do you think it's like you've touched on on it a little bit? Why do you think it's so important for us to be deepening connections and increasing knowledge and awareness and gaining confidence around? Japanese culture and their people?
0: In a broader sense, Asia is important to New Zealand's future in terms of our economy, trade and changing demographics. So currently, seven of our top 10 trading partners are in Asia. Uh, In about 20 years, it's projected that one in five New Zealanders will be of Asian descent. Uh, And on a global level, Asia is important because by 2030, two thirds of the world's middle class will be living in Asia. These consumers will influence the global economy and create opportunities for New Zealand entrepreneurs and business people. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, there are quite a few culturally similar links between Japan and New Zealand. In our annual Perceptions of Asia survey, Japan is generally identified as the Asian nation Kiwis feel most warmth and friendliness to. Um, And Japan is our fourth largest trading partner. It's our third largest source of overseas students. And it's our fourth largest source of tourists, so I guess you know, no matter what career uh, young you know our students or young people want to pursue, it's likely that it's going to be related to Asia in some way.
1: Can you recall? I, I remember the last session we had; there was some data around um, tourists. Japanese tourists into New Zealand. I recall a hundred thousand per year. Yes, it, do you think that's about right?
0: Yes, yes, that's correct.
1: That seems, for some reason, that seems really low to me. Right. What are your thoughts on that? I thought it would have been a bit higher.
0: Well, they are our fourth largest source of international tourists. So you mm-hmm. know, we we have a lot I more. I assume Australia probably yep. sits right Australia's up. Australia's number well. one, and then China. You know I think it's it's a good number, but yeah, I, I do agree with you. I, I I had thought it would have potentially been a little bit higher. um, but I think what we heard um, the speaker from the Japan Embassy said that it was actually the two-way travel. so the amount of New Zealanders travelling to Japan and the Japanese travelling to New Zealand that together those numbers were actually quite high.
1: So there are some obviously some big cultural differences between the two nations. What do you think is likely to be the biggest culture shock for us, those of us who haven't been to Japan, when we arrive there?
0: Gosh, I think there will probably be a lot of culture shocks. You know, everyone will probably have different experiences. <laughs> but generally speaking, one of the cultural differences I have noticed is that Japanese people are more structured and respectful of others, while Kiwis tend to be more laid back. Um, You know, so in Japan, there's a lot of structure and etiquette, uh, which is part of their daily life. So Japanese people will bow for many reasons. It could be as a sign of respect. It could be just to say thank you to a shop assistant or to apologise. Because they have such a large population, they tend to be more mindful of others in their everyday life. So, say, on public transport, Japanese people, they never eat or drink while they're on the train. They always turn their phones on silent. um, And then they also have a clear system of getting people on and off the train in complete silence. So I think one of the biggest culture shocks the group could experience is just, you know, the sheer number of people in Japan. And, you know, if you're in a really crowded train, And there are people getting on and off a train in complete silence. I think that'll just be like a wow moment for some people. Um, Another thing, I guess, is that New Zealand is quite a culturally diverse country. So I think the teachers will be surprised by how homogenous Japan is. Japan is not very ethnically diverse. It has you know, the population is made up of 99% ethnically Japanese people. So that could be a bit overwhelming when you are, you know, walking through a busy train station like Shinjuku, which has, you know, 2 million passengers travelling through it daily, or, you know, when you're walking across uh, somewhere like Shibuya Crossing, you know, just when there's a sea of Japanese people Walking towards you, and they always seem to know what to do, but us Kiwis kind of don't really know what to do, and we end up kind of getting in the way.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, you know, the funny thing is with I talked about that 100,000 before in terms of tourists and how I, I was kind of un, unimpressed by that, but what I am impressed with is that, that Shinjuku train station serves two million people a day. Now, that that's a number that blows my mind, and I think there is, uh, I think there was some data around the average delay of a train in in Japan or in that train station was like eight seconds which is phenomenal when you're putting that many people through uh, a train station in a day and I think we're staying really close to that train station right?
0: Yes yes we are literally a couple of minutes walk from that train station so as soon as the group arrives in Tokyo we are disembarking the train at that train station and trekking through it.
1: Did you (laughs) Did you lose it? Did you lose anyone last year? That's that's what I'm interested in.
0: No, everyone's pretty good at keeping quite close and following carefully.
1: I guess uh, when you're in when you're in such a homogenous society, yeah, we probably stick out like a sore thumb, and it's quite easy to spot everybody. Probably. Yes, yes.
0: I think the stat is about six seconds is the average delay, but wow. Japanese people are very time conscious. And so, if a train is running late, it's not unusual for them to ask the train staff for a note to say that the train was running late. So they they, they take that seriously.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's I, I love that. I think that's fantastic. Um, and that's you know that's the cultural stuff we talked about, and and that's what they value. And um, and you know, talking about not eating on the trains and being respectful of the people around us. And you know, you often hear like Americans and, and people from the UK come to New Zealand and say we're so friendly and all of that but um, I think that's completely different to what we're going to see in Japan where and, and I think you touched on it that because you're around they're around so many people and it's the personal space is not like here where you can, you know, you walk through town and you You could be the only one on a street, whereas I think we're going to get to Japan and it's just going to be so busy and so many people. So they probably couldn't function very well without creating all of these small systems, you know, to get onto the train, to get here, to get there and and all of those things. So um, I think in terms of culture shock. There's just going to be so many things that we're not used to and things we take for granted in New Zealand because we are such a small nation and we are spread so wide. Yet, you know, we're going to this, um, this, this city that is just so congested and packed into such a small area. So that's going to be really interesting as well. Yeah. Before we get to the last question, is there anything I might have missed that you want to mention or is there anything you wanted to add or something you wanted to ask me at all?
0: I guess you've you have talked a little bit about what you're most looking forward to. I'll
1: tell you. I'll tell you what. i I'll tell you what I really was looking forward to, and now I've found out that we can't do it. Oh. Which is, oh, man, I'm so, I'm so
0: gutted. Hey, health and safety. Because I, I don't
1: know. Because I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you know much about my background, but I used to be um, like a semi-professional gamer. So when I heard that we're going, you know, this opportunity to go to Japan and do the go-karting. And if you're if you're unfamiliar with what I'm talking about, you can in Japan in Tokyo, you can um pay I don't know what it was 100 bucks or something and you dress up as uh Super Mario characters and you ride on go-karts through Tokyo dressed, you know, like Mario Kart and I've heard it absolutely blows your mind, but unfortunately um our insurance is not going to cover us, so we're not going to be able to do that. So that's that's probably the thing I was looking most forward to. Um, but now we can't do that, so I'm just going to have to look forward to the uh, sumo wrestling and the baseball, which is going to be awesome. Yeah. The whole trip is going to be fantastic, and um, how grateful I am that I'm um, you know given this opportunity to come on this trip and go to Japan and learn all these um, learn about this culture. So um, I, I'm pretty fortunate in that sense. So this this last question, what do you think is the biggest misconception that New Zealanders have about Japan and what do you think we can do to change that perception?
0: I think a lot of New Zealanders, when they think about Japan, they think of it as a really high tech place. They think of robots and high speed trains and you know, computer games like Mario Kart, like you do. Um, but I think sometimes they're surprised because Japan is still such a traditional place. It can also be low-tech at the same time as being high-tech. So you can have a robot that checks you into your hotel, but then you might find that Japanese people still use fax machines um, or that, you know, classrooms are quite low-tech. Or that Japan is a cash-based society. Um, another I guess misconception that some teachers have when they visit Japan is they know that Japan has such a structured and prescriptive education system so they expect the students to be really well behaved you know so much better behaved than our students but We find that in most cases they're surprised to find that Japanese students are similar to New Zealand students. Kids will be kids no matter where they are or how strict their rules are. If the teacher's not looking, they are going to be silly. Um, You know, if the coach isn't looking, then there'll be a Japanese kid who tries to do one less lap of the field. Um, So I guess, you know, our cultures are quite different and this can influence... You know, perceptions, but even though our cultures are different, I think our values are still the same. Um, and to change perceptions, I would encourage young people to travel to Japan to experience the culture firsthand, um, observe the culture and the people without making judgment. Uh, for young people, gaining cultural competency will open up doors for New Zealanders to thrive in Asia. Um, this could be spending a semester studying at a Japanese university, could be taking part in the foundation's internship program, it could be playing rugby in the Japanese Corporate League or working for a company in Japan. The options are endless.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I, I, I like that. And I think part of by us going over there is that we can bring some of that knowledge and information back around those misconceptions and help spread some of that, um, you know, what Japan is actually like and what some of those differences in perceptions are. Um, and that, that low tech one really surprises me because that is probably the biggest misconception I think I would have had is that, you know, I, I grew up thinking that Japan was this just big tech society and um, what I've learned in the last six weeks is that it's, it's far from that. Sure, there's there's pockets of it and all of that, but, you know, they they tend to stick to their old school flip phones and, um, some of that, those other things you mentioned around the classroom, is that, that's fascinating because it, Japan have always like movies and TV. Japan is always portrayed as a high tech society. So um, to hear that it's not quite like that in some areas is really interesting and, and something that will be interesting to observe firsthand.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how they ha- how they kind of have low tech high-tech kind of sitting next to each other so you can have you know yeah. a temple with the Tokyo Skytree in the background yeah. yeah it'll be quite interesting
1: stuff like that yeah hey I just wanted to um, thank you for taking the time to have a chat about this upcoming trip um, you know, it's like 8 o'clock at night so you've, you know you've taken time out to share some of your experience and your knowledge and I guess moving forward over the next week or so um, you're going to be responsible for looking after us and showing us all of these amazing things. And um, I'm really grateful for having your experience there to be able to uh, guide us and, and show us some of these cool things about Japan and Tokyo that uh, we're going to be able to bring back to our community. So I really do appreciate that.
0: Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to going to Japan with you and the other 9 PU teachers.
1: All right. Thanks, Shiga.
0: Cool. Thanks.